Good morning, Pine Lake Covenant. We have a uh, something that is very important to our church is a time to connect with one another over coffee and some donuts. And uh, we have a question for you this morning where we get to have a little connection point. So our question for today is if you could have only one Christmas song, what would it be? One song. This is what we love to do this in our youth group. We're like, pick one thing that you're going to eat for the rest of your life. What is it? So enjoy the question and connect with each other. And we'll be back in about five minutes. I know we're having really uh, interesting conversations about this question that is so restrictive. Did anyone, it's like rum pum pum drum, the drum song, like all the way, that's the one for you? No? Shocker. Um, I know Kyle loves Mary, did you know? That's his favorite. So, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, all right, what did we hear out there? What's your, what's the one song that you would just over and over again if you had to? Bradley. Hark the Herald. We've got some hymn lovers in here. Yes. Anyone else had Hark the Herald? A couple? Yeah. Sweet, sweet. All right, that's fun. What a, a just a beautiful environment to walk into this morning. We have had our Christmas music on for a while. Maybe you have too. Um, my kids said I started too early, but uh, I feel like the week before Thanksgiving was a legit time to start. Anyone else? Okay, this is just one of my favorite seasons of the year. Uh, despite the dark and the cold, um, the lights, the songs, the greenery, It just fills my heart. And above all, the anticipation of Christmas just brings me so much joy this season. So now today, as Kyle said, we are not yet in Advent thoroughly. It begins officially next week. Um, But this morning, we're going to do some pre-Advent conversation. It's like it's like Advent's Advent today. Yes. Um, And so we're going to be in Luke chapter one as we begin to look at our series that we're going to talk about this season called The Gift. And today we're going to focus on what does it mean to open this gift together? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Um, Thank you so much for the gift of your life that you've given us through your son, Jesus, for your light that you bring that pierces the darkness of this world. Today, as we think about anticipating opening this gift, um, we thank you for the hope that you've given us through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of fellowship that we can be together and unwrap the gift of your presence together this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. One day, friends, my family, now the Pine Lake youth, you know all my stories already, so don't say anything. One day, my family was hanging out in Seattle, and we were at a coffee shop, and uh, we were enjoying our little breakfast, and a man on a bicycle was circling the block, and he was circling the block over and over and over again, and around he went with a big megaphone. Now, he must have woken up that morning, and he thought about the one thing that he was going to say to the world that day, right? The one song, right? The one thing, the one thing that he had, and he thought about it, and he memorized it, and he took his one message out into the world. And as he biked the block, he repeated over and over again, spiders in your home, think about it. Spiders in your home, think about it. Spiders in your home, think about it. And so as we sat there for like our 45 minutes, we thought about it. (laughs) Um, To this day, we repeat this to each other. It's become like a world family joke. All we have to do is say, think about it, or in your home. And we share the giggles of this inside joke. He had one message. I just keep thinking, like, what went through his head that morning? He woke up, I got something to say to the world, and this was it. Now... One message, I don't know what I would say if I circled the block, but I was thinking about that, and if I were to summarize the entire biblical story in one message, it could be 
the gift. There is one message that permeates the whole of scripture, I believe, and encapsulates the story of God, and that is a gift. God gives the gift of life. He gives the gift of his presence and his covenant and his promise to restore and to redeem all things. God fulfills this gift through his son, Jesus. God promises then a coming gift to bring all things together in heaven and earth under Christ one day in a new, renewed heaven and earth. Now, there's your Bible in 20 seconds. Any questions? (laughs) The gift in your life. Think about it. In your homes. Think about it. Now, significant to this message is that God intends and has always intended for us to unwrap and open this gift together. And this is what honoring Advent in the church lends itself to. Now, Advent Advent means coming or arrival, like the song that we just sang in Latin. Although we didn't sing it in Latin. If you were singing it in Latin, that would be really impressive. But originally, it was celebrated in the early church as a way of anticipating the both arrivals of Christ, the birth of Jesus, and the second coming of Christ. So the weeks then leading up to Christmas um, are meant to prepare our hearts for this coming, for this arrival that we call Advent, of God with us through Jesus Christ. In this reflecting season, friends, we are meant to embrace the darkness, to literally allow... I'm sorry, this is falling off my ear, isn't it? Is this fine? You fine? Are we fine? Okay. Uh, we are meant to embrace darkness. It's not easy, right? I don't like it. At 4 o'clock, I'm like, oh, it's time for bed. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's 4.30. And my, my kids, like, literally will attest to that, but it's, it's been pretty embarrassing, like 7 o'clock bedtime. Um, and the, so in this reflecting season, though, friends, we are meant to embrace the darkness. We're literally to allow the darkness and the dark, cold hours of winter to speak to us in the deepening places of our hearts and to remind us what life would be like without the gift of light, without the gift of the light and life that we have in Christ. We are meant to feel it. We are meant to long for this gift more than children long to open presents on Christmas, more than the Neely family longs for their child to sleep through the night. (laughs) Any other newborn babies, (laughs) families in here? That's, That's deep longing. And there are many ways that we enter into this yearning and this longing together as a church. Um, we use a lot of what Scott Erickson calls in his book on Advent, visible mechanics that help us get to the invisible essence of the love of God. For example, we light candles, right? We light one thematic candle each week as a way to perceive and anticipate the light of Christ that is coming brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until on Christmas Eve we light them all together, right? That's one of them. We open Advent calendars. Anyone else do Advent calendars? Okay, and it actually is an exercise of 25 days of self-control. Um, so you don't eat the chocolate ahead of time. Does anyone here eat the chocolate ahead of time? Yes, I know that. <laughs> um, we sing songs like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and we enter into these nostalgic rituals and rhythms together as a way of anticipating this gift. But we are also this day, I want to be reminded in our spirits to not hold so tightly to the tangible that we substitute the mechanics of Advent for the essence. How easy it is to become in love with the mechanics of Christmas and then miss the experience of opening the gift all together. And this is why we need each other to experience and remember entering into the presence and the essence of this gift. 
So I want to look very briefly at just two people in scripture who unwrapped Advent together. And we're going to let their stories show us a couple ways that we can experience the gift of the arrival of Christ together this season at Pine Lake. Advent, together. Oh, you're not with me yet. Think about it. (laughs) All right. Turn to Luke 1, verse 5. The beginning of the birth narratives of Christ. This is the New Living Translation. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth um, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, Elizabeth is firmly... Firmly past her childbearing years, she is without children. This is tremendously difficult and lonely for any woman who wishes to conceive and cannot. But on top of that, in this society, a woman's primary role and value and worth was tied to whether or not she had children. So a barren woman experienced great shame and great disgrace. She was useless, in a sense, an outcast of society, rejected and cast aside. Now, I'm sure that Elizabeth's life was filled with many tears and long, sorrowful nights, crying out to God, filled with longing, feeling degraded, experienced this intense pain of exclusion and loneliness. We read on in Luke, however, to find Gabriel coming and announcing to her husband, the priest Zachariah, that God would open her womb and bless Elizabeth and Zachariah with a gift, a child. But not just any child, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus. And so then Elizabeth, we read in verse 25, declares her joy over receiving this gift. She says, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. She declares, God has taken away my disgrace. He took my sad story and he graced it. He took what was empty and he filled it. He took what was broken and he redeemed it. He took what was dead and he resurrected it to life. He took what was once darkness and shame, friends, and he turned it into hope and light because that is what God does. Amen? And so God also chooses the unchosen, the old barren couple, He chooses the rejected, and he chooses the lonely and the unwanted and the marginalized. In the words of Robert Chow Romero, that which the world rejects, God calls his own. So he takes what the world says is lowly and damaged, and he breathes purpose and belovedness and power and blessing into those cracks. Now, in the same nativity story, we also find Mary of Nazareth. Just a teenage girl, who here is a teenage girl age around 13, 14. <laughs> okay, that's Mary. Not you. You're 16. <laughs> All right. Mary is a teenage girl. She is also a nobody in the world's eyes in this time. She is low on the social scale. In her words, too, she says, I am a lowly servant from Nazareth, which we know to be a like no-name town. And God comes to her right where she is through the same angel, with a message. So Gabriel arrives with a football greeting. Hail Mary! 
Go long. That's football, right? Okay, I'm getting my sports ball terminology right. I don't think angels really know how to talk to people. (laughs) I'm not sure if they go through, like, a specific training program. How to greet humans 101. Like, fold the wings, turn the halo down, use sports terminology to connect. So Gabriel must have passed this class, and then he was assigned to the pregnancy division. And he's like, oh, man, I really wanted apocalypse. Rats. I think he also gets apocalypse, though, in Daniel, right? That's Gabriel. All right, so Gabriel, he tells Mary, you are very favored. And we read that Mary is said to be troubled, and she wondered about the greeting. He explains that she will be the mother of the Messiah, the promised one, who is the fulfillment of the covenant and prophecy, the rescuer of the world. And even in her wondering, Mary responds with immense faith. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. I am just astounded that a 13-year-old Mary, a virgin, would be brave enough to say, yes, may it be done to me, to this really strange and mysterious invitation to motherhood, to open up her heart and her body to a pregnancy that she was not an agent of, without knowing what the future was going to hold for her because of this. Now, God certainly chose Mary not simply because she had an available womb. I don't think the question was, hey, is there an empty uterus around here? I think, rather, who has a yielding, available heart? One that can trust God in all the questions and all the unknowns. And so Mary surrenders everything to God, but her yes cost her something. And this is the way of discipleship, isn't it? Mary says yes, and while favored with having the gift of the Messiah that she is bearing, she becomes unfavored in the world. Because for a girl to be pregnant out of wedlock was an immense smear of humiliation. It was a disgrace that would mark her and keep her on the outside. So even the historian Josephus records that for years later, Jesus was called Mary's bastard. So to be sure, the town talked about her and shamed her and gossiped. Okay. So now we have these two pregnancy announcements. And what happens next? The village throws them like a gender reveal party. No. Um, Gabriel then concludes his announcement by telling Mary about her cousin, Elizabeth. Just, I love this part so much. You just have to pause here for a minute. Now, Gabriel could have left right after this powerful declarative ending statement. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And he could have stopped right there. That's a good ending. But then he says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. What an immensely tender gift of God to tell Mary this specific news. And thereby send these two women to each other, to Advent together. So Mary heads to see Elizabeth, and when they meet up, they unwrap the gift of waiting of Advent together. Now take a look at this beautiful picture that speaks more powerfully than words. Right? What do you feel? What is what are what are some feelings happening here? What's going on in this picture? Joy. Excitement. What's that? Excitement. Excitement. 
wonder, anticipation, delight, together. They each arrive in Advent in various places. Mary is, by faith, holding and bringing together complex and mysterious realities in her heart. She carries within her the hope of the world, but I imagine she wonders what this means for her now that her life as she knows it is now reoriented in a way she could never imagine. Has anyone been there before? She surrenders herself to God's work within the mysteries. She's a virgin, but she's pregnant. She's a child, but the fiancé is not her father. She's honored by God, but dishonored in her village. She is lowly, but she's bearing the most high. After Jesus is born, we read of Mary pondering it all in her heart. She ponders. She wonders. God loves wondering and pondering hearts. Hearts that are available to God in the liminal spaces. Hearts of faith that hope even in the deepest of unknowns. This is a difficult but sacred place to be in. It's not easy. Mary, often than not, though, met more often than not, though, in my life. These are the most formative places of faith, yes? How are you arriving in your Advent this season? Is it a little like Mary? What complex and confusing realities, emotions, or major life reorientations are you being invited to sit with this season and trust God with? Where do you see God at work in the in-between and the questions of your life? What are you pondering? What are you wondering? Are you available to God even in the not knowing? How is God inviting you, like Mary, to trust him? Now, Elizabeth comes to her advent experiencing a very different advent, also perplexing. But for the first time in her life, she is unwrapping the gift of immense seenness. From being unchosen to chosen, from a sorrow at night to a joy that is now coming in her mornings. She is unwrapping Isaiah 61. God had binds up her broken heart. She has received beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. She is experiencing, for the first time in her life, Hagar's El Roy, the God who sees her. And she comes to that in this advent of God has seen me and he's taken away my disgrace. And maybe this is you in this season. Maybe you are experiencing a heart filled with a newness of hope and faith in God as you experience how deeply he sees you and is raising you up. So the two women come to Advent together in different places. And they open this gift of anticipating life together. And in do so, they enter into a joy unbounded and a new hope that is released. Now, my favorite part of all that, this is all my favorite, this is really my favorite part, is in verse 42, Elizabeth speaks truth over Mary. She declares Mary to be blessed. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ear? My baby jumped for joy in my womb. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed are you. Blessed, blessed. It's like triple blessings, right? 
So Elizabeth had unwrapped the gift of seenness in her own life, and then she helped Mary unwrap it too. God sees you, blessed, blessed are you. Elizabeth speaks this truth over Mary, friends. The reality of God's arrival to Mary is a gift. Yes, a perplexing one. Yes, confusing. Yes, all these things, but a gift. It's a blessing to be opened. And as she says this to Mary, she says, blessed are you. Mary, this reaches deep, deep, deep down into the marrow of Mary's heart. And Mary bursts out with one of the greatest songs in history called the Magnificat. Right? It's her beautiful song, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Did anyone choose that song as your favorite Christmas song? Now circle this word in your Bible, responded. Mary responded, my soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. He took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from this time on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. In the rest of her beautiful song, she goes on to declare God's wondrous compassion. Now, not only for her, but for the whole world. She talks about how he sees the marginalized and the hungry and the humble and the small. And she gives great glory to God for his faithfulness to his promises. So like Elizabeth did, she now passes the gift of declarative blessing on to the world. Not only has God seen me, that's amazing, but he sees you. Right? God has regarded my humble estate. He's regarded your humble estate. He's blessed me. He's blessed you. And you get a blessing and you get a blessing and you get a blessing and you get a blessing. Right? Do you see the multiplying, the multiplying effect of sharing Advent together? Is there not just nods? Okay. God uses Elizabeth to help Mary recognize God breaking in through her life. And then God uses Mary to help us recognize God's breaking through to the whole world. Now, I wonder if we would have the Magnificat today, Mary's song, if Elizabeth hadn't first declared God's goodness and truth and life and light and blessing over Mary. I think that it was out of absorbing the truth of that blessing of God at work in her life that Mary found her song. Now, there was a time in my life Sorry, I'm getting worked up. Okay. <laughs> I just love the Bible. Okay. There was... <laughs> that was super cheesy. And I'm just, okay, here we go. There was a time in my life where, like Elizabeth, I mourned in a place of waiting and unseenness. Does God see me? Will he rescue me? Does he look upon me with favor? My sadness and feelings of disgrace and sorrow were so deep, it was a triumph just to get out of bed. Also like Mary, I was thrust into a vast reorientation of my life that would never be the same. I wondered and I pondered and was greatly troubled. But unlike Mary, I struggled to believe and accept that this was actually God's turning point for me. A great divine breaking through in that space. Because I believed I'd just been too broken to have God have regard for me or use me as a participant in his kingdom. For a season, I would lay in my room in the dark, and I would weep, and I would hold my Bible on my chest. And I would whisper promises of God to myself. God is here. God is here. He is with me. God is for me. He's not against me. He will lift up my head. 
He will shine his countenance upon me and he will give me his peace. He will wipe away all my tears. He delights in me. He sings over me. He redeems my life from the pit. He restores my soul. He takes away my disgrace. He has regard for his servant. He, the mighty, the holy one, has done great things for me. And in these moments, like Elizabeth, I started to experience God's seenness over me. His grace breaking through to my life in new ways. But despair still hovered and threatened over my soul. I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for God also sending Elizabeths to me, who boldly declared God's truth and blessing over my life. To say, I see God at work in this. Many Christian brothers and sisters helped me recognize that God was breaking through in my life when I was thinking it was over. They announced God's gift of freedom and love for me over and over again. So the Magnificat that I now sing today is an offering of worship, bright and bold, to glorify God. And it was drawn out of me when I received and believed the truth spoken over me by the Elizabeths that God sent into my life. And I'm called to pass that on to others. So this Advent, Advent Sunday, I just leave us with some questions to just ponder and to wonder. Who is God sending you to Advent with this season? God is inviting you to go to your sister and your brother and speak life and truth and blessing over them. Help them unwrap the gift of Christ in their life. Share your journey. Who is God sending you to Advent with? Maybe even in this moment, a name has come to mind. In your home, in your neighborhood, here at church. Write it down. Or perhaps like Mary, you're sitting in mystery, in many unknowns. Perhaps life has been vastly reoriented and so out of your control. What complex and confusing realities are you facing What are you pondering? Are you able to give a yes to God to bring life into those liminal places? How is God inviting you to trust him there? Or maybe you need an Elizabeth. Ask God. Ask God. Let's pray fervently together. Ask him to send you someone that will speak God's blessing in your life and draw out of you a rejoicing song that you have yet to sing. Or perhaps like both Elizabeth and Mary, you've experienced a great breaking through in your life where you can see how God has restored your pain and your sorrow, and you now have a song to share. So sing it. Sing your Magnificat. Sing it loud and clear for all to hear, as Elf would say. Maybe, maybe, I just love that movie, maybe someone needs to hear it. No, not maybe. Yeah, someone needs to hear your Magnificat. And maybe as you sing your song of rejoicing, this will unleash in them a song from within their spirit that they need to sing. Yeah? So friends, we need each other to bear witness to God's goodness and to unwrap the gift of faith. Together this season, Advent, together, think about it. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for meeting us 
and these stories of these beautiful women. (laughs) Thank you for meeting us with words of invitation, of questions for us to think about. Thank you that you see us. Thank you, God, that there is a song in us to sing. It's placed there by your spirit. Lord, we rejoice. We give glory to you this day. May we come together in this Advent season and sing songs of blessing over one another that unleash melodies that have yet to be heard. In your precious name we pray. Amen.